Ruff. Hey guys, this is Jake. This is Kate. And this is We Dealing, the podcast about dealing with the full spectrum of wellness. This is about destigmatizing what it's really like to be human. Today's episode is about addiction. Yikes. Addiction, yeah. Um, yeah, oh, that's right. So we're first going to start off oh, yeah. with our day. I forgot about that. It's a new thing. Yeah. Um, well, currently my back hurts. Uh, <laughs> I tweaked it doing uh, reverse rear delt flies um, working out last week. And I did chest yesterday, and I probably should have just rested. Um, other than that, I'm doing relatively well. I'm waiting to hear back uh, on this job that I applied for. I've gone through three interviews. They all went really well. So I'm patiently waiting. That was on Friday. It's Wednesday. So yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm excited for it either way. I feel positive about that for you, for sure. Thank you. What about you, Kate? Um, the past week's been good. Like I said last time, I started an OnlyFans, yes. and that's going well. I'm in the top, I think it was 2.2% 2. 2 now. Sick. <laughs> that's so cool. Um, so I'm proud of myself for that. And I, you know, had a weird weekend, and some stuff happened that just made me realize, like, you know, doing the right thing should always... You know, be a priority. It really should, no matter how hard it is or anything. So that that was hard, but I I feel better about it at all now, and I know I did the right thing. So well, and that's a huge message to put out is like when it comes to healthy boundaries and doing what's right for you. Mm-hmm. Never compromise what you know is right. Yeah. And it's, I think a lot of people have an issue with that because the fear of being judged. Yes. Or being treated differently afterwards or not being liked. But I don't think the point of living is about being liked. I think it's about following your own path and discovering what that is every day and chasing it. And a lot of the times I've realized is like people can initially be upset or whatever if you're trying to do what's right. But if, you know, over time, and sometimes it takes people longer than others, they realize either that your intentions were good and they don't have ill feelings towards you anymore or, you know, yeah, if yeah. that makes sense. No, I get it, I get it. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if there's anything. Yeah, no. And it's raining in LA. I know. That's that's weird. weird. It was like 80 something and gorgeous the other week. And we were at the beach tanning and now we're in sweatshirts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Talking about the weather. All right, let's get down. Let's get to to the, let's get to the meat and taters, uh, addiction. Mm, Taters. God. Uh, how to start? I mean, well, I mean, I think right now, especially with the pandemic, we've been in this ooh, shit yeah. for a year now. And I know that I've, you know, I have plenty of firsthand experience dealing with addicts. Um, but watching all this play out and watching people kind of totally lose themselves out, because, yeah. I mean, we have no resources anymore. And it's just weird that so you've seen a lot of different people like, take this time to turn it into something positive and work on themselves but there are so many people have gone the totally opposite way who've just been complacent and 
they don't fallen deeper into whatever darkness right. they had before all this shit started and um either they don't have the tools or they choose not to use the tools that they have or the you know yeah. the resource the people you know the resources that they have i mean it's all about feeling comfortable enough to reach out and to know that whoever you're reaching out to is a good enough friend to be an engaged listener mm-hmm. and even if that's the only thing that you require is to be a good listener is like people are struggling right now mm-hmm. and yeah when it comes to addiction and there's a couple different type of addicts i mean you've got the person who knows that they're hurting themselves and they know that they have a problem right and then you have the people who don't think anything that they're doing is wrong or hurting themselves and i've dealt with both kinds of people Mm -hmm. before and it's hard to approach either one of them you know there's a lot of sensitivity that goes along with it and they feel judged but it's almost kind of like I mean, it really does come down to that person has to want to be different. And to change I, their entire life, yeah. And, you know, I've had plenty, like, I've had drugs in and out of my life since I was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. I went and got locked up in that place for 18 months from the time I was 15 and a half to 17. And I, I can honestly say I'm 37 now. I've never been addicted to anything. I have fucked around with stuff longer than I should have but as soon as I decided to stop I was just able to stop granted getting off some stuff is pretty gnarly and it wasn't easy or fun but I was able to do it because I I didn't want it anymore it was like it was in my life yeah I wanted that shit in my life for whatever reason I was sad or whatever and it was serving some type of purpose for me but I, I was always able to pull myself away from and go the to toxicity. Yeah, you know? and go to something better to, right. to deal with your issues, you know? And I can honestly say I think that if I, if I am addicted to anything, it would probably be working out. There have been times where it's been extremely unhealthy and I've had to really, you know, scale it down. But, you know, I do, it is something I think about often. And when I don't do it, I am a different person. Sure. Um, so it you know anything that we teach ourselves to hold on to um can turn into an addiction i mean that's people that's sex it's drugs it's gambling it's food you know Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean i've said it before like i had struggled with sex addiction before i was even in meetings i mean i was I was going to meetings for three years. I mean, there was an entire year where I went every Monday and Tuesday for a year straight, working the steps, working the program, like really taking it in and and using those tools um, to better myself. And that's the point. I think think for me, 12 steps is like therapy. Eventually, you want to not need the therapist anymore. Yeah. And so... A good program will teach you... To not need what it, I mean, nothing should keep you forever. And that, like, that was the hard, like, when I was in that program, they wanted, they forced us basically to do AA and I had a really hard time with it because I felt like I was replacing something with something else. Yeah. And, you know, I think that programs like that are great for certain people and others don't, it doesn't necessarily work, but it's not meant to, you're not Mm -hmm. meant to be there for your entire life. You're meant there to get better, learn the skills you need to live your normal life. And, yeah. I mean, I'd say 
2014 was when my addiction really like kicked off and it was after the rape Mm -hmm. and that whole relationship I mean he's he told me that like every like right off the bat he was like every because it was my first relationship first long-term relationship first gay relationship first intergenerational relationship he was like every successful gay relationship is an open relationship and I didn't know if I you know I I didn't really know if I agreed with that, but I was like, what do I know? I'm new, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was so unhealthy. We'd be, go back and forth between hooking up with people and then he'd get upset, even though I would tell him, but he would lie about it. I'd catch him. He'd come out about it. He'd say, he's sorry. Then he'd do it again. You know, like this horrible, horrible cycle. And eventually, because all I wanted was his you know his validation and I wanted to be good enough for him I wanted him to be proud of me whatever it was basically this now I needed that from other people mm-hmm. I needed them to tell me that I was good enough that I was good looking that I because I never felt any of that yeah you know it was just this void and I was filling it with the most available thing you mm-hmm. know and that was men because that's what I was taught yeah and I was addicted to that chaos because, I mean, growing up, I mean, you know, my parents got divorced when I was four and my mom has been addicted to crack for like 26 years. That's really intense. It's gnarly. And like when you have such a disrupted childhood, I mean, yeah, there were moments where it was fun and it was very Brady Bunch. My stepmom has three kids. My dad has three kids. You know, there were moments where it was beautiful and amazing and connected and then it just falls apart. And eventually, piece by piece, people leave. Mm-hmm. And then you're stuck with, you know, the leftovers. And you're stuck with these feelings that never got resolved of, like, I have this broken family. Yeah. You know, and, and very disjointed and very, I mean, we, oh, like, we don't talk about that. You know, it was just, like, the secrets that we had. And there are even moments where, I mean, my sister got kicked out of the family when she was 13 or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, she has oppositional defiance disorder. So, I mean, like, yeah, she, there was a lot, but it, it, it taught me that people were disposable, that if there's a problem, you get rid of it. Yeah. It's not about fixing it. You get rid of it, you know? And well, cause that's what so many people do these days where I think as a society, we're so uncomfortable with uncomfortable situations that we dodge avoid, and avoid and evade. cause chaos to not have to deal with it but like if the person is if you love that person and they're meaningful to you it shouldn't matter you know well you should try everything to make sure that they're accounted for like are they being heard are they Mm -hmm. being valued are they you know being appreciated yeah so with my addiction I was a fucking mess I I was a phenomenal liar I was a manipulator I was it was all about me and then I'd have these pity parties and then you throw in uh, bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. and that coupled with sex addiction is horrible because if you're manic you don't have impulse control you're reckless Mm -hmm. you're you know you have no sense of consequence it's So, like, you have an increased sexual desire. So, on top of already going to sex as a means of escape, and what I wanted from it, I wanted control. It was when I felt like I was in control for the first time. I felt sexy for the first time. I felt wanted. 
you know, instead of disposable. Mm -hmm. And I clung to that. And it took me years to unlearn that, to unlearn the fact that I was addicted to men to make me feel valuable. And it's a sick cycle, a vicious cycle where, I mean, I was addicted to chaos. It wasn't just, it wasn't just men. It was, I was addicted to having an insane life where things were changing all the time, where I was moving all the time because I couldn't, I, I didn't know what stability was. Yeah. So I was so used to being unstable. That's what I created. And that's what I believed that I deserved deep down. And you know? I, maybe I'm wrong and tell me your story, but like it. the first time or when you like got into the sex addict thing, I'm sure the first couple men that you entertained in that way, you got kind of high from that because you got this like attention. You felt like this thrill of getting away with it. Right. I mean, there was, it's hard because the first time that I ever did anything where I felt like shame and guilt afterwards was actually the first three way that my ex and I had. He was like, oh, you're going to love it. It's going to be great. But he was so numb. Like he was, he was so unfeeling mm -hmm. and he's the narcissist that we had talked about. Yeah. He was so unfeeling and, and dissociated from reality that he, he just wanted a trick like that. It was nothing to him. It was, it wasn't a human. It was a, a, a sex toy. And he invites this guy over and it's literally just, Oh, he's here. Take off your clothes, get in the bedroom, do what you're going to do. And then when we were all done, he just walks into the living room, flips on the TV, starts watching TV he goes, yeah, the bathroom's over there. The guy takes a shower and then he just leaves. That's so it was so absurd. I was yeah. like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. I felt so gross. And I went up to him afterwards and I'm like, what just like, what, what is this? Like what? He's like, oh, it's fine. His boyfriend doesn't even know. I'm like, he has a boyfriend. Yeah. And he's not, he's not even like, like I was introduced to the lie. I was introduced to the sneaking like, I didn't even know about it. I didn't, I wouldn't have done it if I knew this guy had a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And especially if he's sneaking around, like how many other guys is he doing that for? Right, because if they're doing it with you. Exactly. Yeah. And so I'm like, you're, I'm being predisposed to disease. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I didn't even know. Of course, we didn't wear condoms. Like, yeah. I've worn a condom like four times in my life. Mm -hmm. No, I do not promote that. It's a horrible, <laughs> shitty idea. Don't ever fucking do that if you're <laughs> hooking up with strangers. I don't care if you're on prep. You yeah. can still get herpes. Like, Anyway, yeah. thankfully I didn't, you know, I don't know how, but I never got anything. I mean, I think I got gonorrhea once, but like, <laughs> whatever. Um, just the idea that that was the norm. Use people. Dis they're disposable. So is the that next. when like, you thought that, or is that when you feel like it kind of started to get... The f that was like the first moment. It was like, I mean, that was within the first month of us dating. Wow. And then... Usually you're still, like, honeymoon Oh, my time. God. But it was... I mean, he's the one who said, oh, I think I'm in love with you. And that was after, like, three weeks. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, whatever. I think it really got unhealthy when we would be... 
we were that couple who were cruising in the fucking gym showers and steam room and like it was so there was like this taboo about it that was the rush and it was like oh you could get caught or somebody could see and it was the sneaking yeah and so i was introduced to that like oh this is what's hot this i'm like i'm being conditioned i'm being programmed like this is what's attractive this is what's sexy and like we didn't even have the same type. Well, obviously, we're different ages. We look different. But, like, the guys that I thought were attractive, he thought were disgusting. Oh, they're not, like, these muscle studs. You know, like, I, it just... And it made me feel like what I wanted didn't matter. Yeah. And so it was constantly pushing down what I wanted, and it was always what he wanted. And then when I didn't meet that, I would go and, like cruise these guys that I thought were attractive and then it was like we weren't even going to the gym at the same time anymore and then we were just doing it on our own and it just created this huge gap and like everything about our relationship was unhealthy mm-hmm. everything about it and so, so is that where you feel like it all stemmed from absolutely because then it was it was like you were addicted to being sneaky mm-hmm. you were addicted to secrets I was addicted to being you know good with my words to get around things to like it was horrible that shit always comes back around. It does. And, like, you can't get away from it. And then all of a sudden, like... Your lies turn into more lies into more lies. And then it's just a fucking mess. But it right. does come around. It might take a year and it might take ten years. But it does come around. Did it ever come around for you? You mean, like... Uh, just, like, did it ever bite you in the ass? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> I... God, that was two... It was two years. And... Then I got back from the Navy... Two weeks later, I attempt suicide. We break up 14 more times after that. And then I'm single for like six months. And then I meet this guy, you know, about two months after that, who was incredible. And we ended up dating for like two, two and a half years. But I I I didn't know that I was a sex addict. I just had these... You thought it was normal because of what you were... Yeah, like, I didn't... I don't even think I was self-aware. Well, I think I chose not to look at it as normal or abnormal. It's just what I knew. Mm -hmm. And, like, when it came to that relationship, it was just so hard because I didn't know how to stop. And this guy... Like, imagine the sweetest like most loving, caring, do anything for you type person, like ideal man. I would like to meet one of them. Right, exactly. <laughs> like that like sign me up, please. Like completely like, amazing, amazing, amazing <laughs> human. And I fucked it up because I kept cheating. And I didn't want to. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. And I didn't know how to like I was like, I finally have something good and I'm teaching myself that I don't deserve it. And addiction is like that. Self-sabotage. Self-sabotage. Yeah, because once you're already in it or you're quote-unquote addicted to a behavior, I think that you don't feel like you deserve anything other than what you're doing. And you destroy everything that's good in your life. I mean, that's what addiction does. It slowly takes away all the joy, happiness, and purity in your life. And then you're left with... The rocks. What you've created. Exactly. You know, and I think a lot of people, they they see that 
but for most of them, they're already so far in, they just continue because they feel like they're so fucking horrible. They don't deserve to get better, right? You just stay there. Yeah. And like... What was the light bulb moment where you were like, I have a problem, I need to get better? It was... (sighs) I... Had many moments. I mean... It was when I felt like I couldn't hide anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy that I was dating, he... (laughs) He had dreams that were, like, prophetic. He's like, I just dreamt about you with somebody else last night. And I was with somebody that, like, that last night. Because it happens, especially if you're intuitive. Exactly. Like, you fucking know. I've always known. Yeah, and, like, he knew every single time. Mm -hmm. And, like... And I had, it's so shit, but like I've, I had to get caught in a way Yeah. for me to be like, to break there's the something there's, I need to stop. I don't know. And so I started seeing a therapist and she was incredible. Like I bore it all with her. And then she even, she even hinted at me being bipolar. She hint, she even said at one point, do you think you're a sex addict? And I was like, no you know, I can stop. I just don't know why I'm not, you know, and of course, like it was me pushing it away, but the, the light bulb moment was destroying that relationship mm-hmm. and hurting somebody so fucking deeply. When I finally came out about cheating, watching somebody look at you with terror, like you're a monster like you're the worst thing that's ever happened to them. Yeah. That was my light bulb moment. When I, which is fucked that it had to be that way. Well, but and like I'm not, I came so far from five years ago. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, doing program. I mean, basically, right when I got to California, it was only maybe four months, five months. And then I, you know, I put myself in SAA, Sex Addicts Anonymous, because I was just like, fuck me. I, I went online and I took the quiz and I answered like nine out of 12 questions. Mm-hmm. Yes. That like, so I mean, there was a, it was obvious that I needed to be there. Well, and that's huge that, granted, you went through it and everything, but the fact that you had to tell him and the way that it, it all panned out... And at that moment, you realized that you never wanted to get looked at like that by another person before. Well, I don't I mean, want to hurt somebody right, like that. Right, or hurt a good person. And that's huge because I think a lot of people, like I was saying before, is they get moments like that where they can see pain and how much they've hurt people, but they continue to do it. Right, because that because they believe that that's all that they're good for. Yeah, it's I shit. literally yeah, exactly. had to run away. I was so ashamed and I didn't know how to be better. I didn't know how to make it up. I didn't know how to fix it. I ran to California and like this motherfucker helped me pack my car. He worked overnight, helped me pack my car. He went to the store and bought me snacks for the fucking car ride. Like unreal. The fact that someone can still be so sweet when they've been hurt so bad it's, and really so, says a lot about him. 
and like and anybody that's been through something like and that. in a way how much he believes in me that i could be different that i could change and like i needed that i like i needed him to be so strong so that he could reflect back on me what i what he saw in me and he's like basically like you're better than this yeah do better be better and I took that and I, you know, of course I'm not saying like the road was easy. All of a sudden I was better. I was still fucking up when I got to California, but that whole journey was about, I mean, that, I hit rock bottom and I wrote a story about it and it, <laughs> and reading it back, it's really powerful. I mean, I put myself in a position where I mean, this dude was shooting up meth in a fucking motel room. There was needles on the bed, on the floor. There was drugs everywhere. And I still hooked up with this guy. That was my rock bottom in California, San Diego. Like, to put myself in a position where I was completely... <laughs> I was completely... Yeah, with your wife. Well, I mean, yeah, like, of uh, not avoiding... I was in this place of, uh, complete lack of self-preservation. Mm -hmm. We'll just say that. And it was just, I didn't care. Yeah. I did. It was genuine. Just like, I want the taboo of this moment. It's going to be hot, you know, it, and just that's with any addiction. It's seeking what you first thought about it in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like, how is this going to make me feel in the moment? Because afterwards it's going to be shit. Yeah. It's going to make you feel like death. And I was so numb, you know, like I just, there was nothing that could have gotten me out of that place unless I had program yeah. to go to. And like people, even though I was in a room of straight men, who, you know, didn't have the same addiction that I did to the, well, some of them did, I won't say that, but it was mainly because their wives, you know, told Made them. Made them go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was just like, but being able to be in a place where we all had unique, but similar experiences. And I felt like I could bear it all and be like, this is my life. I'm putting it all on the fucking table. I'm tired of this. I'm genuinely tired of it. I can't stand myself. I hate who I've become. Yeah. And using that and saying, I deserve to be better. I deserve to heal. I deserve to help other people be of service, you know, to whoever. And so. And it's like listening to you, it's extremely hard for me because I've had a lot of addicts in my life that I care very deeply for and love. And I've been the one who has had to like watch it play out and nothing that I did or said seemed to really matter, you know? And like my, the ex who passed away, it'll be two years in June when him and I met, like there were drugs, but it was never out of control. And within, you know, the time we were together, it started to get very out of control and it scared me. And when I left, I mean, within a year, he went downhill so fucking fast that when he died, he was on seven drugs. Like, at the autopsy report I got, they he died of, of fentanyl overdose. 
but it was he had seven different drugs in his system and the the report just said you know died from drug toxicity because he had so much shit in his system but when you look at the autopsy it broke it down by like the percentages of each thing but i i mean it was just you know seeing that and you know remembering him when i first met him and feeling like i didn't do enough or even though I felt like I fucking gave him everything I possibly but you could. Can, but you that's know? the thing. And being enough for somebody else, mm-hmm. it's not a fair, it's not fair to put that on somebody else or to try to be that for someone because they have to be enough for themselves. Like I wasn't enough for me. Mm-hmm. And that's why I kept doing the shit that I would do and lying and, and sneaking and just being such a crook. A yeah. spiritual crook. And what type of advice would you give someone oh, yeah. who's like was in you know, is in a similar situation currently that you were in? Like how do you be get honest. to a place where you feel like you want to be enough for people and you like you wanna be a better person so you don't hurt people anymore? Like how like I wish I could just punch everyone in the dick who is going through this because it's, you know, even if you can look at someone and appreciate, like, I know that person's a good person. Like, that was with my ex and with this recent guy who fucked me over. I can look at both of them and be like, you are good inside. Like, I know I can feel it. it. I can see it. But you're such shit. Right. Fucking, and you want to hit them. And it's like, shake them. And it's like, you're better than this. But they they don't. My biggest addiction, I mean, the things that, they say like, oh, for sex addiction, at least they have like an inner circle, which is the, the, your addiction. So like my addiction was my inner circle was lying, lying by omission and hooking up with men. Mm-hmm. And then my, the middle circle is like a slippery slope. So like, that was like video chatting with guys and like, right. you Sexting know, right. All that, that, that mm-hmm. whole thing. And then the outer circle are like good things like hanging out with ruckus and like going on hikes and reading and writing or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the fact that my first thing, my first addiction was lying and like, that's every addict is a liar. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that's, where you have to dig yourself out, start telling the truth and it can start small. You can still lie to yourself a little bit, but if, at least you're starting to get out of it. And then you get to the point where you stop lying to yourself and you stop saving face. I tried to save face and like tell most of the truth, but hide that one thing that made me look like a fucking asshole. Right. That made me look like a, a, a just a complete douchebag that made me look like an addict, like yeah. a liar, like a manipulator, like a fucking arrogant child. But once you can own all of it and say, yeah, that, that is who I am right now. Mm-hmm. I want to be different. You have to have that sense of self accountability to say, I'm ready to stand up. I'm ready to change. I'm ready to be different. Yeah. Because you have to be willing to change everything in your life, to mm-hmm. cut out everyone who no longer serves you any contact that would have kept you in that lifestyle yeah when i was in that program they you know drilled into our heads you can't have non-working friends and that didn't mean they had a job or not they had to be people that were productively working in their own lives and to positively influence your life if they were drug friends or party friends or whatever and keep in mind i was only fucking 17 but like 
that was unacceptable. Right. You know? And so the advice that I would give is start being honest. No matter how hard it no is. Matter, no matter because what your fear is. Because if you're honest now, you're going to break some hearts, but it, you'll break less over the exactly. fucking span of your life and if you, you might, start now. you might get out alive. Because... You might. I mean... I could have had diseases. I could have been murdered on all these fucking hookups that I've had. The dude literally had a knife open on the table and, like, one in his back pocket, like, could have brought me into this meth den. Mm -hmm. You know, like, this shit happens. That's real life. Mm -hmm. Hookup culture is scary as fuck if you think about it. That's why I don't go date people. Yeah, dude. (laughs) Well, and then when it comes to drugs, overdosing, or getting somebody else addicted... And then them overdose. Like, how do you deal with that? So those are the things that, like, completely Well, I feel avoidable. like addicts want that around them. So, so if they, they, can they, have if that... they usually end up, you know, drugging people, saying they accidentally gave them too much or whatever. And that's been my experience is when they're so chaotic in their own lives, they want everyone around them to be just as chaotic to make them feel more normal. Yeah, because they're, they're living... There's a great pamphlet that I, I really want everybody to read called The Bubble. And it talks about addiction and how people live in this bubble of false reality and addicted to illusions, addicted to the lies, you know, like mm-hmm. to be, because they build this false reality around themselves where they can function and not have accountability and not have consequences and not have, you know, any sense of I'm doing something wrong because then that would make you feel like shit. And that would be an, you know, an influencing factor in making you change your behavior and changing is so scary to most people. Like, well, and I think too, is like, if you're really living in that, if you're this addict or whatever, you're known for like, I'll just use my ex as an example. He was extremely charismatic. Everybody loved him. He was the life of the party bouncing all over the fucking place. I mean, he was a handful but he couldn't pull himself away from that type of attention. He was, I feel like he was also addicted to just like attention and to feel like you're not that guy anymore because you're not fucked up all the time or you don't have all the drugs or doing everything that takes away part of the person's what they feel like who they are. But it's kind of like that shit gets hell old dude. And what happens is you're that guy for a while, but then people start not wanting to be around you because they don't, it feels icky and then you're left in your shit, you're still partying, and then you're surrounded by no one because you've fucked everybody over. And you're alone. <laughs> and you're alone. And that's when it gets really for you either come out of it like you do, or you totally lose yourself. Yeah. And potentially lose your life. Exactly. I think there's also an addiction to being stagnant because yes. people fear change so, so much. So much, dude. That they're willing to stay the same person. And if I mean, you see it in the gay community with these queens who you know they they party and they party and they party and they they're like circuit queens who are in their 60s and whatever like yeah like you can appreciate a lifestyle but when you're when you're a complete mess and you've been a mess for years and years and years and years and like changing means that you wouldn't be the socialite that you are right then you lose a sense a false sense of status Mm -hmm. or even if it is real who cares like Things change. People change. 
the world changes all the time. And when, you know, people that are in that situation, like I would always tell him, like, listen, I know that you feel like all these people love you, but it's for the wrong reasons. And right. if you just scaled it back and you were genuinely yourself, people would love you that would person. have a smaller group of friends. Absolutely. Because people will just die off. Right. Not die off, but just Straight go away. Yeah. yeah. But the people that you do have will be that much better for you. And why inter- try to entertain a world of people when you're not meant to and exhausting keeping up with the lies keeping up with the lifestyle of being wanted and like that's that's an addiction wanting to be wanted Mm -hmm. and being a chameleon i was a chameleon i changed all that well like i would change who i was all the time to fit whoever i was around yeah and like i wore so many masks i didn't even know who i was Mm -hmm. Because I had accumulated all these personalities and all these, you know, like whatever. It was survival because I was so afraid of my own personality that I wouldn't be good enough. I mean, my biggest fear that it was that I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it makes you do crazy shit. Yeah. If, if you're not... I mean, you're like being an individual is brave. Truly being an individual, choosing to say, I'm worthwhile enough to go out and be me unapologetically and not care if somebody else doesn't like me. Because being liked is, I mean, it's, that's what social media has turned into. That's Instagram is how many likes do you have? How many followers do you have? People who follow you, like, you know, it's... It's wild to think that that equals value, right. that you're more valuable an asset. I mean, in the modeling world, back when I, back when she was skinny, uh, <laughs> white girl diet, right, <laughs> the LA diet, diet coke and cigarettes, <laughs> ice cubes and apples. <laughs> like, so, so, back when I was like trying modeling, I wasn't even looked at because my Instagram didn't have ten thousand followers or more. That was an actual requisite, like. It's crazy to think about if you don't have a larger influence, you're not, you're less valuable. They actually teach that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I get it. It's a business. But I mean, using that as an example, <coughs> excuse me. Um, it's, it's hard to, to step out of, of that, that, that lane or that, that river mm-hmm. because it carries you. I mean, you, you believe all these things that you're taught, like you're more valuable if you're super intelligent or have a crazy interesting life or, you know, wildly attractive, like all of these different things. If you, you know, you're told that you have to be exceptional to be liked. It's okay to not be interesting. It's okay to not be socially accepted as attractive or whatever. It's okay to not have like this exceptional extreme life. Yeah. Like, do you want to strive for excellence in your own lane? Absolutely. Like, I think everybody should want to be the best at whatever they do. Mm-hmm. But when you're so caught up in the, in, the, in the illusion, you're not giving yourself an opportunity to step out and say like, this is what I want to do with my life, regardless of what other people will think. Yeah. And it's so hard to get out of that because that's an addiction of like, of, 
being wanted, of being liked, you know? Well, and that's the thing. Like, when I got rid of my social media, I was off social media for, like, a year and a half. And that was probably the loneliest I'd ever been in my life. And it was very eye-opening for me. Like, who the fuck even knows I still exist? Most people didn't. or And they didn't care because they didn't reach out. Or they, and then, and then yeah. it's like, I post one photo back on social media. Love you, babe. Miss you, queen. There's my girl. You look... And it's like... Right. Where were you? You want to believe it, but it's like, dude, it's so fucking weird. And, you know, like one of our friends recently decided to get off social media for a minute. I was talking to him this morning and he's like, hey, like, I don't hear from fucking anybody unless they need something. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I know. And it really, it's fucking heartbreaking. Because it shows you, it shows you what position you hold in other people's lives. Who was I? And that's a, that's a, that's a great reflection. Who am I to other people? How do other people see me? Not as my, I'm not saying that's my worth. I'm saying this is a reflection of, of what I've been teaching others to learn about me. Who have I been to these people? And why was I valuable to them? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Yeah. Why, do, why, why are the people exactly. in my life, why are they there? Because there's very few people, like, I can actually say, like... I could be in the worst fucking mess on the floor of my life and they'd still be sitting there matching my energy. I mean, yeah, you know, and a lot of people I felt like were my, I could call a friend when I lived out here before it was for the wrong reasons and they wanted something from me or needed something that I was providing. And when you don't have that, you know, whatever that to provide with them, all of a sudden you're just not of any importance. Well, and like, I think that's, that's something that, you know, we have this platform, we have this podcast to kind of reach out to people. I really want people to take an inventory of your life Mm -hmm. and look at the people who are around you. Do you like what you see? Are they, are they, are they enough? For well, do you, they, because it's, yeah, do, do they, they match your values, core beliefs? I mean, that's exactly super like, important. are they there for you? Are they genuinely there for you? Or do you feel invisible? Yeah. Because feeling invisible is fucking scary. And then you start to, you start to rationalize why, why they might be that way because of an insecurity that you have. No, it's not about you not being good enough. It's about, are they good enough for you? Yeah. It's about having that value in yourself and saying like, what do I need? I need people who are going to be there. I need people who are going to be honest. I need people who, who genuinely care. I can't make people care. Right. And that's something that I've tried. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm still learning that to this day, you know, feeling like I have something with someone, but, and, you know, trying, trying, trying to make this connection more of what I think it should be. And it never, it's not happening and kind of. You know, it's a hard pill to pill to swallow. What? Okay, so I mean, if people are are dealing with an addict in their life, what would you say to them to help them out? <sighs> Fuck, it's hard. You know, I think because there's so many different types of addicts. Um, mine was extremely unhealthy towards the end and abusive, so I was just scared. I, I told people how scared I was for him. And I, I, I told multiple people I thought he was going to kill himself. Not like, you know, shoot his brains out. But I thought he was going to slowly die yeah. from how toxic he was. And people would kind of listen but not really do anything because he seemed fine to them. And 
like I would tell him like he's going to kill himself and he doesn't listen to me because he I'm a woman in his life and he didn't value a woman's opinion very much and so he would brush me off and then he would then lie to the people that I tried to confront for help and and turn it turn it into my problem but like it's a very isolating feeling and I I I don't know if I would have gone to um what are they called an Al-Anon meeting oh yeah yeah I was desperately looking for help, but at the same time, a lot of the people I was going to were kind of like over it because I had been going to them for so long and I continued to stay. Well, that's why you need good people in your life who are going to listen to you, who are going to actually care about what you're saying. Because if you surround yourself with yes men and people who are passive, like, I'm not saying being passive is a bad thing. But when it, when it, when it is a negative in your life where being passive means that you can't stand up for your friends, it means that you can't stand up for yourself, then yeah, that's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Like you need to, sometimes you need to be confrontational. You need to stand your ground. You need to stand up to people because they're fucking up or because you're fucking up and you need to come clean. Like mm-hmm. you like you need to confront people sometimes. Yeah. And I think the advice that I have is like <laughs> honesty and honestly <laughs> confronting them about it. Mm-hmm. Being blunt, saying this is how you're affecting me. This is what's going on. And like for and this me, is how you're I did other I did that with him for a really long time over and over and over and it didn't get anywhere and so I had to save myself because it was getting so bad but you know I don't know what I could have done differently honestly I really don't yeah. um, but you know that was that situation I've dealt with other addicts and other forms and like you know currently calling someone out hardcore on their shit and that's me in my truth and that's me doing the right thing and you know what i hope it breaks the cycle for him because he's better than that you know so i don't i being honest and i was honest so i think that's the first step and if you're honest repeatedly and it still goes nowhere you do have to look out for yourself at that point there's a thing in al-anon called healthy detachment Mm -hmm. and I actually went to Al-Anon before I went to SAA, and that's what introduced me to the 12 steps. Uh-huh. Um, but I had to use this with my mom because there comes a point where there's nothing healthy coming from that person. Right. And nothing that, I, that was going to be of use to me, and it was only pain after that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you do just need to walk away. Yeah. But I think trying to do as much as you can to help that person. Yeah. Even if it's an inter- a, a genuine intervention. It's not just a show. People actually do it. No, yeah, and like, I know. Yeah, some so of his buddies tried doing it to him before he passed away. So just try to be there for each other. That's, I mean, genuinely, just be there. Mm-hmm. Be present. Care. Give a fuck. You know, like... Yeah, exactly. <sighs> that topic <laughs> know, right we uh, could probably talk about that again for hours too but we're running out of time right yeah it's running up to 47 minutes so i think we'll close with honesty is the best policy even though it fucking sucks sometimes. from both sides from if both you're the sides. addict and if you're dealing with an addict 
being upfront and totally, you know, honest about your feelings and going from there. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. I know that was a lot. It was super intense. And if you have questions or if you, you know, are in an area and you want to try to find resources, we're happy to help. And if you have suggestions about anything you'd like us to talk about, yeah, reach out out to us because we like, you know, some, we for sure like to talk about topics that you guys are interested in. Definitely. And we love feedback and suggestions. So thanks so much for all of those. All right, guys. Have a good day. Have a good day. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.